0: Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to ROTC Scholarship uh, Podcast. I just wanted to uh, talk today today about two different subjects and kind of give you my thoughts on them. Based on my experience uh, as a military officer uh, and also as a two-time Professor of Military Science for ROTC programs, uh, one at Claremont McKenna College and the other at the University of Southern California. The first um, part of this podcast, we'll talk about uh, special forces or special operations forces and ROTC. And this really stems from uh, uh, candidates that I work with and candidates that I saw when I was uh, interviewing Who, when I asked them the question uh, what they wanted to do uh, in their military career as an officer, their answer to me uh, in the Army was, Well, I want to go special forces or be a Green Beret, uh, or I want to go uh, Rangers. I want to go to the Ranger Regiment and be a Ranger. Uh, for the Navy, it's the same type of um, of answer. If yes. ask them, "Well, what do you want to do in the Navy?" Uh, answer is, "I want to be a Navy SEAL." Uh, you get this answer less, much less with the Air Force, but the Air Force also has its special operations, aviation, and pararescue and uh, things like that. And there certainly are officer positions uh, in each of the services, special operations uh, forces. Um, However, um, you know, you really can't, in almost all cases, you really can't get to be a special forces or special operations officer immediately after you commission as a second lieutenant out of ROTC for the most part. Um, You know, most of the time what you have to do is you have to spend three or four years in in a unit First of all, going through your officer basic course, uh, or your you know ba- your training for your basic uh, specialty area, that usually takes anywhere from six months uh, or longer, and then actually serve out in a unit uh, out in the military, where you learn your trade as a as a um, second lieutenant or an ensign. Uh, and then uh, once you prove yourself out in a unit or bec- become more se- a more seasoned officer in your basic branch, that's when normally you'll go to special operation or special forces assessment course or the Navy SEAL assessment course or whatever special operations assessment uh, course there is for um, the particular service, and so. Uh, it doesn't happen right away normally. I know that there's sometimes Navy Seals can go straight from ROTC, um, but for the most part, you know, you want to get some time underneath your belt uh, first. Um, I think that's the the first thing. The second thing is there's just so few of these uh, of these positions. I think there's like 50 to 70 officer positions and Navy Seals. There's not a lot of positions. Uh, force, you know, Green Berets or uh, Rangers uh, in units uh, or in, you know, operational, uh, you know, special forces units, same thing with the Air Force. So, it, it, you know, to kind of have that goal, it's a great goal to have to be a special operations uh, officer, but there's just a, not a lot of positions and the, the, the service is a lot bigger than just the special operations forces. And so, you know, I don't want to say that that uh, a ROTC candidate should not uh, make a goal of going to one of these, uh, you know, one of these positions, but it's really, you know, it's 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 not common. And uh, I think what ends up happening is a lot of candidates kind of get caught up in this romantic notion of these, you know, from from either reading books or uh, watching TV. Or whatever that they think they over-idealize these uh, these uh, special operations forces. Um, now, what does this have to do with ROTC and the scholarship? You may ask. Well, I think you know it's just one of those things where if you w- when you go into these interviews or go into your essays, you know, when you're a senior in high school, and the first thing you know that I hear out of the candidates mouth or in essay is, I want to be a Green Beret, or I want to be in Special Forces. What it shows to me is that, is that, it, that this person doesn't really understand how the military works, really hasn't talked to a lot of people, doesn't know, you know how things work, doesn't understand that it's a long process. And that, you know, you oftentimes have to do another specialty and, and you have to prove yourself in the branch before you go on to special operations. And it shows a naivete uh, and really jumping the gun, I think, in a lot of cases where, you know, you haven't even proven yourself that you can you know pass a physical fitness test or to get through your first year of ROTC. Uh, don't you think it's probably a little bit of a stretch to want to be a special forces officer at this particular Time. Why don't you strive to be the best cadet or midshipman that you can be in ROTC, or realize some of the basic branches and basic specialties that you're going to have to master first before you become, you know, a special forces or special operations officer? So the way that I would approach it, if I was uh, doing an interview or doing an essay for ROTC, is I would say, you know, I would be more humble about it. I would say that. you know, one of my, my ultimate goal, uh, is to become a special forces officer. Uh, however, I know that, uh, that, that takes a lot of training and a lot, and there's a long road that has to be, uh, taken until then. And I'm looking forward to being the best ROTC cadet or ROTC midshipman that, that I can be. And I will work to master, uh, the basic skills that are required, uh, of a cadet or midshipman, and uh, and then look to commission in my basic branch or my basic uh, operational specialty with a goal eventually to go into the special operations or special forces if I've been deemed worthy enough and in effective in leading soldiers, sailors, airmen, and airmen in in the military, and then I will take my shot then. But before then, I think it's just presumptuous and naivete. And I don't think it reflects well on an individual to just say that, because what it does is it it also senses to me a romanticization or seeing the military as romantic or as you know something that's on, on a TV show or a video game, rather than doing the due diligence and talking to individuals. And I know that Many times I've mentioned in previous podcasts and and in in my blog posts that you know that you need to get out there and talk to people. You need to get out there and talk to officers. You need to get out there and you know visit National Guard or Reserve units and talk to real people doing real jobs. And sure, you can talk to a special operations person, but I can guarantee you. That when you're that senior in high school talking to that special operations person, they're going to, you know, obviously tell you how they got to where they got, but they're going to tell you that, you know, you're kind of, you know, over your skis here right now and you need to, you know, kind of think a little more, a little bit harder, okay, about what you need to do right now and and eat a little bit of humble pie, okay, and think a little bit harder about what your short-term goals are. And, you know, we love that you want to go special forces or special operations, but, you know work to be the best person you can be right now with that goal eventually in mind. Um, But, you know, again, talk to those people and they'll probably tell you the same thing I'm telling you. So with that out of the way, I wanted to talk secondly about intercollegiate athletics and ROTC. And this is more along the lines of kind of just, you know, what is, how easy is it or difficult is it to participate in your intercollegiate sport as a member of ROTC in a college university. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're, you know, if you're a division one athlete, like in my last duty as professor of military science, I was the uh, professor of military science at the university of Southern California. And that was all division one sports there. And almost everybody who's doing that division one athletics uh, is on scholarship. So first of all, they're not usually drawing an ROTC scholarship. And I worked with one candidate in the past who was uh, who got a scholarship and was actually on a ROTC scholarship and went to uh, Berkeley and was on the, I believe, on the track team at Berkeley. But it ended up that he had to leave the track team, uh, I believe, after one semester uh, because it was just too much to be able to do intercollegiate athletics at the at the Division One level and do ROTC at the same time, uh, I have not seen it. I've seen, I've heard of a couple people doing it in the past, but it's just it ends up that this coach the coaches that are part of Division One just demand too much of their athletes, and it just interferes with what ROTC is trying to do in the afternoons and on, on sometimes on the weekends, sometimes on the weekdays. And it's just oftentimes uh, too much for uh, for the uh, for the well, it's almost all the time impossible to handle both for a Division One athlete. Now, Division Two II and Three is completely different, particularly Division Three. In my first assignment, I was at Claremont McKenna College, which was a Division Three program, and I can tell you it definitely is doable at Division Three with uh, perhaps some a few caveats. One is. That you know, it, first is that you know at Division three in particular, and, and Division two, they expect their um, they put academics first, and athletics is not the do or die kind of um, uh, uh, treatment that most coaches take at the Division one level. So you can balance the academics and ROT or the athletics, academics and ROTC there. You know, you've got to get buy-in from the coach and from the ROTC program. So the coach, you know, if you're interested in doing Division three or Division two sports at your school and you're doing ROTC, you should let your coach know, you know before you do this, you know, when you're a senior in high school and ask him if he'll support you or she'll support you doing ROTC while you're doing uh, sports. Uh, and on the other hand, on the other side, you want to talk to your ROTC head of your ROTC to see if they will support you in doing your, uh, athletics. Um, one of the ways that uh, army ROTC or air force ROTC or Navy ROTC can support you in athletics is not to require you to come in for physical fitness training three days a week in the morning or four days a week in the morning or whatever, whatever it is. Oftentimes, you know, intercollegiate athletic uh, athletes are in, outstanding physical condition and don't really need to come to morning physical fitness with the ROTCs and can simply take the tests twice uh, uh, twice a year, you know to validate their physical fitness. But you know the, the ability to be able to, you know, kind of get out of a couple of things that ROTC requires to do athletics is important. Also just making sure that the ROTC program understands that you'll be traveling sometimes and that, you know, you may miss maybe an ROTC event. If there's a weekend um, uh, exercise, you may miss that on it because of uh, intercollegiate athletics. But you need to make sure that that when you go into this, both with the coach and with the ROTC program, that they both have buy-in to this so that, you know, so that you don't spring it on them when they're there and then the coach tells you that they, you know, that you can't do ROTC or the ROTC, uh, folks tell you that, you know, you've got to do the ROTC, all the ROTC events, or you'll be, uh, you'll not be looked upon as a, as a, uh, participating cadet, or you might be, you know, uh, disenrolled from the program. So don't get into that situation, test the waters ahead of time, but for division two and particularly division three, I've seen a lot of success with both athletes and ROTC in their uh, in their endeavors. So I hope that was uh, I know there was a brief uh, talk today about kind of two different subjects uh, but I hope they were both uh, beneficial to you as you kind of look at uh, both at, at two very diverse subjects but two that I often t- see come up in my conversations with with ROTC applicants. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care, and we'll see you next time.